we're going to really, really educate you as if we want you to become a coach, because at the end of this, you got to coach yourself. Otherwise you're going to gain the weight back. And guess what? You're going to go hire somebody else. or you are going to come back to us? And we don't want that. Right. And we want you to be able to have that autonomy. So the process of educating people is, is huge, you know, don't overwhelm them, but teach them what you're doing. We're not like magicians with black magic and we can't, you know, tell you what's going on. And in my opinion, coaches have one of two things. They either a don't want to tell them what they're doing because they're fearful of the client leaving and doing it on their own, which let me tell you, it's not going to happen. We need accountability. So they're not going anywhere. Right. And two, they just don't know really the deep science behind what they're doing. And that's why they don't share enough. Right. So if you're failing to educate because you don't fully understand, you need to get back to the books. I mean, to this day, I'm reading on training and nutrition and doing certs and all that kind of stuff because you can never stop sharpening your blade. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Cody McBrew. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was. I actually thought last week was the last week I got to do this, but this week is the last week I get to do this. And then for my ensuing episodes that will go through the end of the year, I'm just going to give you a random thought or something to think about, hopefully stimulate some good thoughts and some good juju for you going forward. So what's new? Uh, As you can tell, (laughs) I am still not 100%, man. Uh, I think originally I had just like a random head cold and so kind of fought my way through that. But then I knew end of last week, so like a week, whatever, seven days ago, I knew something was different, right? Because I went from, man, I feel really good. I felt like I was on the up and up to I woke up, I think it was Sunday or Monday with a fever. I was like, this is not the same thing. So finally caught the COVIDs. Uh, I am fighting that off now finally feeling really close to 100%, starting to get my energy back. I mean, that was the most telltale sign for me was it wasn't having the fever. I mean, obviously, that's a pretty telltale sign in and of itself, but not just the fever, but it was the lack of energy. And that was the thing that really drained me because basically the second half of last week through Thanksgiving, all of that, I just had no juice, didn't want to get up, didn't want to do anything. Even if I just go and just walk the dog, which was basically my source of of exercise for the last week, I was just toast afterwards. I needed to go lay on the couch. So luckily I am feeling better. Still got just this little bit of lingering nasal congestion, but by and large feeling much better. So a lot of you had reached out. I appreciate it. Definitely feeling better now and ready to tackle some of these goals. I got for, you know, myself for the end of this year and early next year. So excited to get back into it. Uh, Obviously, last week was Thanksgiving. (laughs) Not nearly as fun when you're sitting at home with the Rona uh, and your energy is low, but still got it done. Smoked a turkey. Jess made some amazing sides. All the favorites, you know, she made sweet potatoes. She made green bean casserole. She made stuffing. She went out and bought this amazing apple pie just because they make it like gluten and dairy free. It was just delicious. So Thanksgiving was a huge hit. I told the kids when we were doing Thanksgiving, because they've been on me forever, approximately forever already, like, hey, when can we put the tree up? When can we put the tree up? And they're excited because they've already bought gifts and they want those gifts to be under the tree. So I said, look, we're not putting the tree up. We're not listening to Christmas music until Thanksgiving is over. So essentially what happened was I was up at 8 a.m. prepping the turkey, 
you know, got it all done. We'd ate. I think we finished eating and cleaning up by 2.30. And they said, okay, you get one hour and then we're putting this tree up. <laughs> and they did. Literally, we got to lay down for an hour. I think I watched some football, took a little nap, and then we were up putting up the tree. So they're just super jazzed for the holidays. Went and saw Santa yesterday. So loving all that. Love their enthusiasm for the holidays. Kendall and I had a great discussion the other day about how, you know, she, she likes presents, but what she really enjoys the most is like the holiday party and seeing everybody and seeing people's reaction to opening her gifts. So that was really sweet. So I'm excited for the holidays coming up with them. And then last but not least, I think, you know, I talked about things that I'm working on and projects that I'm working on. And I'll tell you guys more about it here in just a minute. But very excited about some of the coaching stuff that I'm going to be rolling out in 2022. And Cody and I had this discussion in our, our show here where he talks about like, what's my one thing? And his one thing is coaching. And, you know, it's funny because my one thing is coaching. Now I do it in different ways and in different avenues. Obviously I coach at the gym. I coach when I mentor people, but like I'm starting to enjoy, I think the online side of this more. And as I've taken it from more of a offline approach and trying to make it into online training, if that makes sense, I find I'm enjoying it more and more. So trying to take the offline experience and moving it online. So, you know, when we have that intro call, when we have these connection points throughout the week, a lot of the people that I had over the years that weren't successful were ones I just didn't have a strong enough connection with. So just excited about some of the coaching stuff that I'm going to be rolling out in 2022. Obviously, new promo coming up here in just a minute. You can listen to if you're interested in that. But yeah, man, that is what's new in my neck in the woods. Next couple weeks, we're still going to have shows. We're still going to have all kinds of great content coming out, but it's going to be a couple weeks before we do another one of these. So enjoy, have a great day, and we will be back in just a minute with this awesome episode with my guy, Cody McBrew. Believe it or not, 2022 is right around the corner, and I want to help you make it your best year ever. As 2021 wraps up, I've made it a goal to totally revamp my online coaching platforms. The fact of the matter is I want to help more people than ever before, and that starts with people like you. So if you're interested in getting in the best shape of your life this year, I've got two options that might interest you. Option number one is my private online coaching. Here, we'll essentially take offline training and move it online. We'll start with an initial startup call to learn all about you, your needs and goals, I'll create a custom, personalized program that's gonna help you achieve said goals, and we'll communicate regularly to make sure that you're on the right track and getting great results. I'm only taking a maximum of five new clients in 2022, so if you're interested in my one-on-one online coaching, send me an email at mike at robertsontrainingsystems.com. Now, private coaching may not be for everyone, so if that's the case, I'm also totally revamping my RTS annual program for 2022 and that could potentially be a great fit for you as well. In this program, we go through four three-month phases of training, building the engine, leaning season, athletic domination, and stronger. But the cool part of this program is that it's more than just a training program. Every month, you'll not only get a new workout to follow, but we'll also set monthly challenges where we develop habits in regards to nutrition, recovery, and mindset to help ensure that next year is your best year ever. And trust me, I know the last two years haven't always been kind to our habits and routines, so that portion of the program alone is worth the price of admission. 
If you're interested in an annual training group, you can learn more at robertsontrainingsystems.com forward slash annual. And if you've got any questions whatsoever, feel free to email me directly at mike at robertsontrainingsystems.com and I'll do my best to point you in the right direction. Okay, that's enough from me. Thank you so much for listening and I'd love the chance to work with you and help you make 2022 your best year ever. Cody McBroom is the founder and CEO of the Tailored Coaching Group, an internet-based company that helps GenPop clients get into great shape via personalized training and nutrition programs. In this show, Cody and I take a deep dive into the world of nutrition. We start off talking about how he got started originally as a trainer and why his emphasis shifted more towards nutrition over the years. From there, we take a look at some of his foundational nutritional principles, including using metrics to gauge progress, flexible periodization, and the role of habits and adherence to seeing real, long-term results with your nutrition program. And while nutrition and dieting can often be very polarizing topics, I think Cody has a really grounded and principle-based approach to nutrition, which I think you're going to love. But enough for me, let's do this. Cody, man, thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Cody McBroom, um, and first and foremost, thank you for having me on. It's it's an honor. I've been following your stuff for a long time. I think you did a in staff workshop at the gym I worked at like almost a decade ago on yeah. uh, your your uh, system for programming. So it was really cool when you when you messaged me, man. So I'm excited to be here. But my name is Cody McBroom. I'm 29, but I've been doing this for 11 years now. This is literally the only thing I've ever done. Wow. I graduated high school at 17 as a chubby kid with a, a bum knee from two knee surgeries and. It was like, man, I want to figure out how to impress girls. That was like my whole thing, <laughs> right? honestly. And uh, it honestly was a, and then I'm sure we'll get into this, but it was just a crazy sequence of meeting the right people and just honestly, just, just following their lead and just listening to them and just asking more questions and poking my head around the right rooms. Right. And uh, I've met some amazing, amazing people, some legends in the, in the strength world, over my career. And it's allowed me to do what I do today, which is run a company called tailored coaching method. Uh, we have nine nutritionists and trainers underneath me that work with people around the world. We have a full-time content producer, an operations lady. We have a chief science officer who is, uh, he's, his name's Dr. Brandon Roberts. He's actually a fitness and nutrition researcher. So the cool thing about that is, is we're able to stay up to date on the latest research on everything, training and nutrition. Wow. Um, so he's constantly educating our coaches and creating content with us, but that's, that's what I do full-time now. I run a coaching team. I create content content. I, I live south of Seattle. I have a, a beautiful little three-year-old daughter, my wife, Shannon. We have this awesome 5,000 square foot facility. We actually just expanded it to 5,000. So uh, now That's we awesome. have room to do seminars and stuff like that. So we'll have to have you out to do something soon. Yeah. Uh, but we got a full gym, two offices to do what we do. And uh, it's great, man. I just got a bulldog puppy like two days ago. So that's a, <laughs> a new addition to the family. His name is Bubba. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's me in a nutshell, uh, but I'm awesome. excited. I'm excited to talk about it all, man. That's awesome, man. So, so talk to me, let's go back to like the very beginning, right? Like you said, chubby kid wants to impress girls. Like, is that how you got started in physical prep? You're just like, Hey man, this ain't working. I got to figure something else out. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the funny thing, so I played soccer my whole life, uh, skateboarded a lot. So I was, I was never really in shape, but I was active. So I didn't right. get too overweight or anything, you know, and uh, I played at a pretty decent level, but I tore my meniscus my sophomore year of high school. Um, I made varsity 
uh, only one of two people who made varsity soccer freshman year. Really excited. Okay. Sophomore year came in, tore my meniscus preseason. Yeah. So recovered, gained a little bit of weight, came back, actually made captain of the senior team the next year, tore my ACL. Same thing. Ah. So it was back to back. Um, funny enough, I tore my meniscus again in 2019, rolling out of bed to get my oh dog crying. Um, oh my gosh. And I had actually found out that I retore it five plus years ago and I just didn't rehab it properly. But um, that's kind of it. it that was another a second light bulb moment in my life. But the first one was, you know, I got done with high school and I wasn't going to play soccer like I wanted to. I had a lot of friends going to play in college ball. And uh, I was going to school for business because my dad was like, I'll pay for community college if you just do business. Because that's what I do. You can talk. You'll be a salesman like I am. You'll, I'll get you in the oil industry. Everybody needs oil. That's what you'll do. Right. And I couldn't argue. I didn't have any, any better plans. So I said, okay, well, if you're going to pay for it, I'll do it. And uh, so I started using the school gym because I was too embarrassed to use the public gym where all the people I went to high school went to because I'd never lifted a day in my life. And I had graduated at 17. So I was 17, just turning 18 that summer, starting to use the gym and stuff. And uh, this guy actually walks in. I got like a knee brace on. I'm doing leg extensions. And this guy walks in. He doesn't look in shape or anything. A little older guy. And he's just like, I can show you a better way to do that. And I was like, I'm okay, man. And he goes, well, <laughs> if you're ever interested, I run the PT program here. You should swing by. It's in building 221. I was like, all right. Uh, his name was Tim Vagan. And he has oh, yeah. been... So there you go. Yeah. So yeah. he knows a lot of people. And this is where it all started for me because it kind of just sat in my brain for like a, a month or so, just remembering that guy walking in saying that to me and just being curious. It was very mysterious. And uh, one day I was in business class, business 101, and I asked the teacher how many businesses he had owned. I'll never forget this. And uh, he actually said none because he just graduated and moved in. And I, that just, it didn't sit well with me because right. he's teaching me how to start a business, but he's never ran a business. Right. I didn't like school anyway, so I just got up and left. I actually just walked out and uh, I was walking by Tim's building and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to pop in, playing hooky anyway. Walked in and yeah, he had a baby on the projector screen with all these lines and drawings around it. And it was a baby crawling in a quadruped position. And he was teaching about movement patterns and it, the class was called functional movement. And I was just blown away. I had only looked at flex magazines and boot camp stuff until that point, And it was just the coolest thing ever. So I went home, told my parents I want to change my degree. They said no, because I was a chubby <laughs> kid who just started training a month ago. Right. Uh, and I forged my dad's signature at the college, changed my degree. And uh, they found out about six months later. And at that point, I had lost weight. I was lean. I was so into it that they were just like, do your thing. So I went through Tim's program. He introduced me to countless people. I got to be in rooms with Dan John, Greg Cook, uh, Michael Boyle, Eric Cressy. Eventually, this led me to you actually, too, right. because Luca came and spoke in our class and it was the first person that ever walked in and wasn't wearing khakis and a polo. And it was, you know, <laughs> probably wearing Nike sweatsuits for sure. He, he was literally wearing a Nike. I think it was a Jordan sweatsuit and a chain. Okay. <laughs> and uh, every other word was the F-bomb. And yeah. <laughs> I just remember being like, who is this guy? But I want to know. And so I actually started going to his charity boot camps. And then I interviewed for an internship. He brought me on an internship and I trained with him as a head trainer at his gym for six and a half years, just wow. grinding in the gym. And the cool thing about this story, and this is where I'll wrap it up, is when I interviewed for the internship, he asked me, you know, what's your future plan? What do you want to do? And I had told him I wanted to start an online business like Jay Ferrugia and Nate Green. That's what I said. I was like, those okay. guys are doing something. He was like, okay, how are you going to make money online? And I was like, I don't know because I don't know how they do. But I know there's money in that. That's going to be my career path eventually. Right. And his exact right. response was like, that's cool, man. But train people every day for five years straight, and then you'll have the right to do that. And 
I took fair. a very listen, man. I trained people for six and a half years, creating content for free until I found out I was having my daughter. And I was like, you know what? It's time for me to step away, build this online thing. I gave up all of my clients at the gym, started from scratch and started building it. And here we are today. So it's been a, it's been a really cool journey with a lot of cool people. And that's like the biggest lesson there is nobody's self-made without all those people that I got to meet and get introduced to and learn from and get favors from, and we're just willing to help. I would not be where I am today and, and being able to do what I do today. I love it. I love it. Okay. So give me one more little insight here. So you did all that. You worked for Luca, you did the like brick and mortar type thing, and now you are online. So what does an average day look like now? Because trust me, so many people are thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to be the next best online trainer. But talk to me about what it looks like on the day-to-day because I don't think people are really prepared for what all goes into it. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And I think it's, man, it's been an evolution because, you know, at first it actually started with almost me becoming a hybrid coach because I was at the gym and this is how I got into nutrition as well. I, I, I hired Shelby Starnes did a physique competition and I just got Mm. absolutely shredded. And it was the first time I ever like tracked my diet and followed a plan. Right. And it was wild that I didn't touch training at all. I kept doing my five, three, one Wendler with some accessory upper lower. Like it was just my normal shit. Right. And I got shredded and I was like, wow, nutrition is pretty powerful. What (laughs) if I learned how to do this for everyday people, you know, learn what bodybuilders do because they're the best at it, but just tone it down a little bit and do it for everyday people. And, uh, I started doing it with people, but I didn't want to spend time at the gym because I had to train them at the gym. So I started having them send me weekly check-ins and track their diet. And I was doing like kind of like an online model while working with them in person. And it really just separated me at the gym. I was the only coach at the gym that had a nutrition degree or certificate. And I was the only one that was having clients touch base with them outside of the gym. So the accountability and the support and just the science-based approach just was elevated. And I just saw crazy results to people and the desire to work with me went up. And that's when it really kind of clicked for me. So I started doing more and more of that um, until it led into online coaching. But I think, you know, what people don't realize is, at least in my opinion, and there's probably people who get away without, I think it's really hard to be a successful online coach without training people in person yeah. first, you know, and sure. I, I know it's harder today with COVID and everything going on. People always say like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, gyms are closing and, and I understand. I don't have an answer for you on that, to be honest, with you. but um, <laughs> But the truth is, is there's nothing that can replace that in-person coaching. It it creates a level of education as a coach to be able to cue somebody through movement patterns and understand like the science behind volume and intensity, all that stuff's great. But when you're actually there doing it with them, there's something different going on and there's a different application and there's different response for everybody. And I think you need to learn that. You need to learn the empathy as well that that is involved with connection, right? And that's what allowed us to coach the way we do today is all of that. I learned from in-person and the fact that every single one of my coaches, like that's a prerequisite. They were all trainers prior. Like I made sure that that. if you work for me, you you've done in-person stuff before because it's that important. But you know, when I first started, honestly, my entire day was making content because I, I mean, if you think about it, I left the gym and I had maybe five clients online and I was like, okay, I have a baby on the way. Uh, I'm telling my wife that, Hey, when you're off maternity leave, you're not going to go back to work. And she's like, <laughs> okay, you, <laughs> I got three months till maternity leave. You figure that out. Right. And, uh, and she never went back, but I, uh, I literally would just create content all day. I was like YouTube videos, Instagram, Facebook live, Instagram, live podcasts, blogs, newsletters every day, at least two things were going out on separate platforms. Like it wow. was just nonstop. And a lot of people will ask, like, how did you think of so much content? I repeated a lot of the same stuff. People need to hear the same message over and over and over again. There's really not that much to cover, you know? Right. 
so I, I repeated a lot, but I, I created content like crazy until, you know, the buzz got around. I got to work with some cool people and then they, you know, shouted me out on Instagram because they had a big following and I was training them. And it just kind of kept, kept going and going and going until a point where I had to tone down the content because I didn't have the time because I had a hundred clients online. And now right. I'm like, I don't have time to work out myself. I barely have time <laughs> to like be with the baby and stuff. What am like, what's going on now? So I hired an assistant, I hired a coach, and then I started like handing people off and training them how to do what I do. And then it just kind of evolved, nice. you know? So once upon a time, it was all just content and client communication and programming for nutrition all day, every day. Now there's a little bit of that because I still coach some people, but a lot of it is this, it's, it's interviews on other podcasts. It's interviewing people on my podcast. It's, it's recording videos, doing Instagram reels. It's, it's writing marketing for the website. It's working with our SEO team that we hired and doing a lot of backend stuff that, People don't really see, but it matters quite a bit, you know, and, and leading the team and taking calls with members and stuff like that. So it's, it's really hard to say what the life is now, but man, I, I'm, I'm here at seven in the morning and I don't leave till five. It's, it's all day. It's nonstop. I eat while working. It, it is, it is pretty crazy. And I like it that way, but it's definitely not, I'm not kicking my feet up on the beach with a margarita while I eat no clients. <laughs> it's it's the, not, it's <laughs> not the one hour work day, right? That's right. Yeah. And, and I love Tim Ferriss, but I, I don't even know a four hour work week is realistic. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, I love it. I love yeah. it. Okay. So I'd love to, to lean into this idea of nutrition because as we kind of talked about before the show, I haven't had a ton of nutrition people on there or on here, but I would love to just start with a question that I ask all my trainers and all my coaches will just apply it to nutrition. And that is like, what is your overarching philosophy or your big rocks when it comes to nutrition? Yeah. So it's hard. I was thinking about this prior and I was really trying to figure out a way to boil it down into a statement. And what I kind of came up with is, is it really comes down to education and individualization, because that's the only combo here that is going to create not only sustainable results, but actually create autonomy in people. Because as coaches, we know that we're not going to work with you forever, but we're supposed to make this work for you forever. Right. Right. And and that's something I was actually thinking about this morning. I wrote it down. So like, I'm going to use that again. That's a really good way of saying yeah. it, but it's exactly how it is. And it's what we tell people on the first call is like, Hey, we're not, and, and this is a good example of, of, you know, you know, Vigor. So I'll use that as an example. I had clients there uh, that I, my first client started there. She was with me until I left. It was wow. over six years, you know? So why she got the results she wanted a long time ago, you know, but there's a community, there's a culture, mm -hmm. there's something about your routine going to this spot and stuff like that. So I can't recreate that fully. I can create a Facebook group and I can give you connect. We could, we do a lot of those things. We're really good with that, but it's still not your like third home. You know, you have your home, your right. work, and then you have that third place. It's not that place. So our thing has always been, we're going to really, really educate you as if we want you to become a coach, because at the end of this, you got to coach yourself. Otherwise you're going to gain the weight back. And guess what? You're going to go hire somebody else. or you are going to come back to us? And we don't want right. that. Right. And we want you to be able to have that autonomy. So the process of educating people is, is huge, you know, don't overwhelm them, but teach them what you're doing. We're not like magicians with black magic and we can't, you know, tell you what's going on. And in my opinion, <laughs> coaches have one of two things. They either a don't want to tell them what they're doing because they're fearful of the client leaving and doing it on their own, which let me tell you, it's not going to happen. We need accountability. So they're not going anywhere. Right. And two, they just don't know really the deep science behind what they're doing. And that's why they don't share enough. Right. So if you're failing to educate because you don't fully understand, you need to get back to the books. I mean, to this day, I'm reading on training and nutrition and doing certs and all that kind of stuff, because you can never stop sharpening your blade. 
But I, I think really my philosophy behind it really comes down to that, you know, and that's why our company is called Tailored Coaching Method. It's, it's the individualization and the education piece because education builds compliance and the individual, individualization is, is what gets you to your goal. You can't follow my diet and get results and I can't follow your diet and get results, right? Right. And, and that applies with training a lot as well. You know, we can do general programs, but at a certain point, you really need specific things to get amazing results. And that's just how it is. So my philosophy, my concept behind it is, is, is really that. And, uh, and I'll finish with, with one thing on that question is uh, a quote. Methods are many, principles are few. Methods often change, principles never do. And that always stays true to us. And the reason that stays true, and I don't know who said that, but it is a, it's an old, old quote. Right. There's certain principles inside nutrition that will never train, change, no matter what gurus create books on fasting and keto and all that shit. Right. Calories in versus calories out. And it, I mean, at the end of the day, it matters. There's research, you know, here's a keto diet and a high carb diet. Calories equated doesn't matter. Like you're going to lose weight. Right. Right. Um, and if you're an athlete who needs muscle and performance, you actually probably should go the carb route because carbs are your best fuel source. Absolutely. However, we can't eliminate calories and energy balance as a principle. So for me, it's always remembering that like, Hey, like there's all these cool, fancy things. This is why we have our chief science officer too, to just remind us of this constantly. <laughs> We have these cool things, you know, hormones are a crazy topic and they're cool. And yes, they're important, but they don't remove the fact that calories matter. You know, yeah, they just absolutely. influence energy balance. Right. And that's, goes for everything. So remembering the principles of I mean, training and nutrition, but that's for nutrition. It's remembering those principles and then using methods like fasting, keto, carb cycling, tracking macros, all that stuff. That's cool. Those are methods to stick true to the principle. Yep. And that's really what matters. We individualize these methods to remain consistent and congruent with the scientific principles. Love it. Love it. Okay. So I want to touch on this topic because I love to ha like have some back and forth before we start the shows, right? Because I want to know like what you're thinking about, what you're passionate about. And one of the things that you mentioned before the show is this idea of a metric-based approach to nutrition. Mm -hmm. So I kind of get what you're, you're, you're throwing at me here, but I would love for you to start by explaining what exactly that means and maybe why it's valuable, especially with your gin pop clients. Yeah. So first and foremost, numbers don't lie, you know? So right. it's funny to me. It's not funny because I understand there's a lot of false marketing and stuff. So we have to really educate people on this, but it's funny because a lot of people come there like, all right, I want, I really want to lose weight, but I don't want to use the scale because I hate seeing my weight and I don't want to measure my food because that's just tedious. I don't need an app. So let's, let's do this. And you're like, no. okay, so you want to intuitively do this, right? Right. Okay. How far has being intuitive with your diet got you? To this point? <laughs> right. You know, right. you're overweight. And you want to lose that's why you're hiring me. Right. So I always try to start with the premise of like, Hey, we're not using macros. We use macros quite often. We're not telling you to measure your food and track your macros, do that stuff because we expect you to do this for the next three decades of your life. We're talking about how long is it going to take you to lose results and learn about nutrition by using macros? Because the goal is to implement macros, lose the weight, educate you on how you lost the weight, reverse diet, and slowly remove macros until you can intuitively sustain that weight. And then you're good to go. And then you can sustain, right. you know, if you want to keep tracking macros because you're an athlete, your lifestyle, your goals change, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with continuing to do it. But you don't have to. So I think using a metric-based approach to me, first and foremost, is, is using numbers because numbers don't lie. The other side of it is, although people seem to think the opposite of this, and I can understand why as well, using macros and a flexible dieting approach is actually the least restrictive diet you can possibly use. Because 
you know, I was never into wine before I met my wife. My wife loves wine and she loves making fancy cheese boards, right? Okay. And they're amazing. I love them. But yeah. I mean, it's just a fat bomb salami, right. and cheese, you know, not the most macro friendly. There's wine, but right. I make it fit no matter what season I am in, if I'm gaining or losing or whatever. And it's because I have these numbers, you know, if we go with paleo, hey, you can't have those crackers on the cheese board. You can't have rice. You can't have dairy. If you're going keto, hey, you can't have any carbs at all. You know, there's all these restrictions. Well, with right, flexible right. dieting, it's like, let's include whatever we need. And it's more of an inclusive rather than exclusive diet. So although we need to restrict calories to lose weight, because that's the law of thermodynamics, we're not going to trick you into doing it by telling you that this special diet just eliminates this one food group. And that's what's causing you to lose weight. No, paleo helped you lose weight because you removed pasta and bread, which cut <laughs> calories. Right. right. I mean, realistically. Yep. So we, instead of trying to hide what's really going on, we just explain the metrics behind the nutrition, right? These are macros and calorie numbers. I mean, that's really what it is. And then from there, we're tracking weight, stress, sleep, cravings, hunger. So all these other metrics of biofeedback, because as you go through a diet and we'll touch on this with periodization, but at a certain point, you start to get fatigued you know, mentally, physically, even sometimes hormonally, if you're going at this for a long time, metabolic adaptation starts to kick in. And the problem with that is, is number one, you can't adhere to the diet when you're starting to get burnt out. If you can't adhere right. to the diet, well, then you're shit out of luck. You're not going to get the result, right? Right. Um, so we need to track these because it's kind of like a, I look at it like a deload, right? When we're training people and we're asking questions and we're testing grip strength and we're seeing performance and we're like, Hey, I know you think you feel good, but we're going to take a deal now because in two weeks, you're probably going to be shot. And then, you know, we're going to be right. proactive instead of reactive. It's the same exact thing with nutrition. We're checking like, what's your motivation on a scale of one to five to go to the gym and to follow your diet? What's your stress levels? How many hours of sleep are you getting? For most people, we're tracking step count. If people have gut issues, we might throw digestion in there. If you don't, then we're not going to worry about it because it's just another number to throw out at you. But right. we're tracking all of these things. And we'll even with, with 90% of people, believe it or not, we'll track their weight every single day because the problem with not doing that is that weight fluctuates and that's healthy and normal. And it's just right. natural. You take a flight, you're going to fluctuate. You have too much salt, you're going to fluctuate. Not yes. enough sleep, you're going to fluctuate. Shit, if you get a new program from your trainer and you train really hard, you're going to have some systemic inflammation on the muscle. You're going to have water retention and some weight gain, you know, because you right. trained hard. That's a good thing. So because of that, we like to teach people why this is happening and we can correlate it with other biofeedback and show them like, Hey, you're actually down an inch. Your biofeedback's great. Your macros on point. Who gives a shit what the scale says? It's just a number. It's one out of 20 metric points. Right. And only that one is in a bad place. So if 19 are good, we're in the clear. And it, it actually relieves people's issues with the scale. And, and it's crazy how many people we get that come to us that say they can't step on the scale. And now they can step on the scale every day with no problem because we taught them. It's just a metric. It's just a number. Yes. And on top of that, you know, if we take your average by the end of the week, that's the most accurate way in you're going to get because your weight's going to go up and down slightly. And I remember as a trainer having people do like, all right, Saturday's your weigh-in day. And if one Saturday they just happened to have like a little bit extra salt the day before anything or bad sleep, their scale went up. They thought their progress was ruined and they just drink and binge over the weekend. And, and it's like, no, you just, you added creatine to your diet. Like, you know, something right. so small. Right. <laughs> and uh, so we try to, uh, it's uh, kind of like the book, the obstacle is the way, right? Like your obstacle is the scale. Well, that is the way. Like, so let's attack the scale and use it to get over it. But as a whole, like back to the question, metric based to me, it's, it's using numbers in all these areas because numbers don't lie. And it's the only way that we can assess fully and then adjust because then we have numbers to say, okay, we need to increase this, decrease this, change this. And then we can predict where you're going. 
You know, it's just yeah, like an yeah. FMS test. That's why there's a score because numbers tell us how well you're performing and then you can adjust to improve your score. And that's to me what I've tried to do with nutrition and, and take that to the gen pop because it's been rare. See, I, I absolutely love that. And that's something that I know we tried to do, especially with our like gin pop or more fat loss focused clients, like you alluded to, so many of them have this aversion to the scale. And so sometimes what we have to do or what we've done in the past is we're taking multiple metrics, right? So we can take inches lost, we can take body comp, we can take scale weight. So people don't love this, but like the subjective of, well, how do your clothes feel? Like you can use that. And sometimes that works, but some people it just doesn't. So for those people, it's like, hey, look, okay, so so what? You put on a pound, but your inches are down, right? In all the right areas. Your body comp is in a better place. So you're actually building a little bit of muscle, which probably isn't a bad thing in the long term. Yeah. You know, like finding ways, like you alluded to, like if you're tracking all these different things, you can kind of disconnect emotionally a little bit from the scale. And hopefully that's going to help them over the long haul. Yeah. And then you can find which one of those things actually clicks with them the most. And yes. you, you really harp on that thing every time because you know that's going to trigger them. I tell this with people, uh, people, I, I'll do like reels on Instagram with uh, like I'm doing cues and I'm like taking people through an exercise. And people ask me like, where do you get like these cues? And I'm like, I just trained people for years and I would just <laughs> throw out shit until something like you just saw that light bulb. Right. Or where. Yeah. You know, I remember with a squat, we used to, you know, tell people like torque the floor, or, like, you know, pry open your hips so you can really like open up the hips, sit into a good goblet squat, whatever. And for some people torquing the floor, we just wouldn't work. And I used to say monkey feet. So I was like, imagine your feet are monkeys, monkey hands, and you're, you're grabbing the floor and I want you to twist it out as you squat. Right. And they would just brace and externally rotate their hips and sit into it so beautifully. And it was like, all right, that's the new cue, monkey feet. You know? <laughs> right. But, when it clicks, you know, some, some kind of metric, same thing. When that one metric sticks with them, like use that as fuel to keep them going. I love it. I love it. Okay. Now I'm going to give you an admission here, but I remember someone talking about the concept of like flexible dieting or, or periodizing your diet years ago. And I'll be honest, I felt like a total idiot because I'd done it for years when I was writing programs or planning recovery, but I just never thought of it in regards to nutrition. So that was like my big face palm moment. But with that being said, I'd love to hear from you, like, what is the role of periodizing your nutrition or your diet? And could you give us some examples as to how that might look? Yeah, I, I'll never say I popularized it. But when I really started talking a lot about nutritional periodization, there's only a couple of us doing it. And uh, I think I was the only one in the gen pop space, because right? yeah. we do work with some athletes and 95% of our clients are just everyday people trying to lose weight, build muscle, yep. get healthy. I personally uh, actually had the pleasure of working with uh, some WWE people. So I'll kind of explain oh, uh, awesome. how that helps. And that's been really, really fun. Uh, they're actually coming to Seattle. So I get to go and hang out with all of them. So I got oh, that's cool. six, six of them, including the ref that I work with. So it's going nice. to be really fun. Their periodization is totally different. So I'll kind of get into the differences here between like, there's more like an athlete because they have seasons and deadlines and stuff like that versus right. the everyday person who just has birthdays and anniversaries. Right. Right. But uh, periodization is really just a fancy scientific term for well thought out plan. Yeah. I mean, if we really think about it, you know, for, for training, it used to be so complex because everything was from like old Russian strength manuals. And then it kind of started easing up. And there's like, well, there's block and there's linear and there's daily undulated and there's weekly undulated and, and there's congruent or concurrent and there's conjugate and there's all these different <laughs> methods. And right. So now you're just like, okay, well, it's just, how do you plan? Do you have a plan? That's really yeah. what it is. And what I was finding in, in the nutrition space is that a lot of people would hire coaches and they would give them calories or macros. Um, and this is kind of a weird analogy, but the way I looked at it was like, this person gives you calories and macros and just tells you 
All right. Have fun. Good luck. Have fun. Let me know if you have questions, you know? And uh, it's kind of like walking down a dark path. Somebody says, hey, I want you to walk down that path. I'll let you know when you're at the end. And they're like, well, where does it go? And you're like, don't worry about it. You're like, well, how long <laughs> is the path? And you're like, I got you, man. Don't just trust me. Just go. Nobody's gonna walk down that path. But that's kind of how I looked at it. So I was like, all right, well, this is how we're going to do it on our team is we're going to tell them, here's where we're starting. Here's why we're starting here. We call it the priming phase. And it's like, this is we're building your foundation, right? This is where we're probably not going into a big deficit. Even if your goal is fat loss, we want to get you at maintenance and we want you to get consistent with tracking, with measuring, with using our systems, getting familiar with your coach, because if we're implementing these different habits of tracking metrics and biofeedback and stuff like that, and you have the stress of being in a deficit and training hard, you know, now we're just adding stress. Let's just stay at maintenance where you're fully recovered. You're feeling amazing. Your metabolism's in a good place. And let's focus on these habits that we need for the future. And we spend, it might be two weeks. It might be two months. You know, a lot of times we dial people in and we just focus on health and they start losing weight because there's a lot of missing pieces. So we might milk it and stay there longer, but we have this, this foundation phase called the priming phase. And we're just trying to teach them. Here's where we're at. This is why we're here. This is the purpose of this. The next step is the progressive phase. And that's where we go into the cut or the lean gang or the sport performance or whatever your goal is. And we really dial things in and we're going to give you a timeline. What does this look like over the course of the weeks? If it's fat loss, is it a 12 week, a 16 week? Is it 24 weeks? Cause you have a lot of weight to lose. Is there diet breaks in there? Are there periods of times where we're going to like pull back and give you some more food or refeeds? Or are there times where we're going to say, Hey, you're going on vacation. Just don't track. Be mindful. We're going to teach you how to do that. But those are part of the periodization plan and the timeline of how long that fat loss phase is, as well as how are we probably going to adjust? We can't predict everything because we can't always know exactly what the body's going to respond and do. But we like to teach them like, hey, most likely we're going to start here. We're probably not going to need an adjustment for a little bit. But when we do, this is what we're going to adjust, why we're going to adjust it. So they know like, hey, there's probably a carb cut coming in the future. So let's just focus on consistency now, hitting the macros. And then eventually we might adjust. We probably adjust by 5 to 10% for this reason and like really break everything down for them. Once they complete that progressive phase and they're at their ideal weight, we would have a recovery phase. And just to make it like cheesy and a method that people can follow. I always call it prime progress prosper. So prosper being like live on. Right. Right. So the reverse recovery diet part is just like, okay, how do we get out of this deficit slowly so you can sustain the result, but we do it in a way that we, you know, return your calories back to a comfortable place. And mind you, for people listening, if you lose 20 pounds during that progressive phase, your maintenance calories are probably going to be much lower, um, at least a little bit lower than they were before you started because you're 20 pounds lighter. You're a smaller human being and you need less quite literally. So I don't want to like sell false information because of reverse dieting. People are like, oh, you're just going to reverse your calories way back up to where you were and stay lean. It's like, well, no, you're going to reverse up and be a little bit less than you were before. Right. But that's the price you pay for being lean. Right. And so showing them how to do that properly. And if they want to stop tracking, educating them on how to remove tracking slowly so you can be intuitive, but that's a pro, like a, a periodization process for an everyday person, right? Prime, progress, prosper. And we take them through these phases. The timelines of each window are completely different for everybody. It depends, sure. right? Now, when we look at somebody's calendar year, this adds another layer to periodization because if somebody has a wedding, if they have an anniversary, if they have a birthday, if they have a work trip, whatever it may be, those get factored in because we can do one of two things. We can either A, plow right through it, which I do have some people who they travel for work and they're so busy on their journey that it's actually like their work trip. That's actually easy to diet because they don't have time to like eat a ton. You know, they're just nonstop. And have other people that are like, I'm going to explore the city. I want to eat, you know, I'm going to hang out friends. So it's like, okay, well we have to figure that out. We have to implement those in. So we know that when you're out of town and when you're doing those things, right. Similarly speaking with an athlete, when is their in season? When is their preseason? When is their off season? Where, when is their postseason? 
So when I first learned of nutritional periodization, it was in that context, right? We okay. have yeah. pre-season, in-season, post-season, off-season, and we can fluctuate carbs and fats to folks more on recovery or neuro or hormonal balance because maybe they're practicing and training and competing and traveling. Like it's just such a stressful time. It's like, okay, we're going to go into this like deload recovery phase post-season and then Preseason, we start shifting fats down, carbs up, fueling performance more, timing nutrients differently, and we kind of just cycle through it. But with everyday people, we don't have to take that seriously. So it's more of like, okay, how do we mold that for the everyday person? And likewise, with my WWE people, they're athletes who also get paid to look really good. So right. it's a That's fun- going to be hard. Like I was thinking about that. Like yeah. those guys and gals look amazing. It seems like year round. Mm-hmm. It's tough. And it's, uh, it's one of those things too, where- Although, and, and I could, it's hard for me to still uh, think about going into a ring knowing like, well, I'm losing today, but I'm going to like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a weird, it's going to be a good show though. Yeah. But I mean, they get thrown around. So like yeah. most of the guys I've worked with in there come to me and like, I, I remember I have a, uh, one of my guys, uh, Chad Gables is his stage name. And he came to me, he was like, oh, I, I don't bench press anymore. I can't. And I'm like, why? And he was like, uh, shoulders, they're bad. I just can't. And then I went through his program and I'm like, we'll be able to bench press again, dude. Let's just like start actually building the right areas and working on your posterior chain a little bit more. It's really right. simple stuff, but, but they're beat up, you know? So on top of having to perform well and stay in the ring and have some good endurance and aerobic ability to just keep recovering and sustaining, they're also traveling to, they yeah. do shows in UK in Tampa is where the WWE headquarters are. And most of my clients do not live in Florida. So they're mm-hmm. flying every week to go to these events, stuff like that. So it's wild. And for them, a lot of it is, is nutrient timing. And that falls into that periodization window. So we go from a year to, you know, a month or a fat loss goal to what's your week. And then what's your day to day look like it's right. all planning. It's all periodization. And for those individuals, the stress fluctuations are just nuts. So it's trying to do that. And take them through cuts at the right time. You know, if WrestleMania is coming and they want to be their leanest for there, it's knowing that like, let's time this properly. And you will have some shows that you're not as lean as you usually want to be. But if you want to be the leanest for the big show, like we got to do it the right way and then try to reverse properly, which is the reason I work with a lot of them now is because I was able to help some of them actually sustain it because they would go through these crazy fluctuations. Um, right. Telling other people about me. But yeah, I know it's kind of a ramble of a, an answer, but I think periodization is just such a big umbrella topic, you know, and it can go so many different ways. But I think the biggest thing for people to realize, it's really just having a a good methodical plan for a long period of time to make sure that you're not just walking down a dark path. Yeah, I love that. Love that. Okay, so another key component when it comes to nutrition is the idea of adherence and habits. And I think this is really tough, because whether we know it or not, we all have habits, right? Some of them are just serving us better than others. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear some of your strategies or things you might use with clients to help improve somebody's adherence when it comes to their nutrition. Yeah. So one of the things I actually learned this from John Brody, when he was really running precision nutrition, he's still really involved with them, obviously, but way back. And his, his big thing was stop removing things and start adding things in. And that's where I think everybody should really start because if anybody has bad habits that are holding them back, if I tell you to not do that or not eat that you, you want to eat it. I mean, right. come on. You guys, and now I have a three-year-old and a puppy now. So I, I know this like firsthand is everything I say, don't do. It's like, I want to do it. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now we got, we got baby plugins on all the things. Cause the dog wants to stick his tongue in the, the outlets now. So, you know, it's, it's <laughs> right. Crazy. But the point is, is with this, 
adherence comes down to education because education builds compliance, right? So first and foremost, I'm trying to teach people what we're doing, right? A lot of that is adding those habits in because if we add good habits in, we kind of just slowly remove bad habits, right? If I tell you to your new habit is to add X amount of servings or handfuls of protein, you're probably going to eat less junk because I mean, you can't go to, to a fast food restaurant or a junk place and really get lean protein very easily, you know, right. or if you add in vegetables, you kind of automatically start filling up more on other things. So we can add things in. And then the other side of it is educating them on flexible dieting and how, you know, if you want to have some chocolate or a burger or whatever, you're going to be fine. It's just got to fit your calories. It's all numbers. So right. we have like a, a checklist, right? The, the flexible dieting checklist, I call it. And it's basically... Did you get your omega-3 fats? Did you get your fiber? Did you get two to three servings of fruits and vegetables? Did you get your hydration? Like these are like the buckets we got to check. If you, if you do all those things, you know, eating more strawberries and broccoli, isn't going to make you more healthy. <laughs> it's just <laughs> right. filling your calories up with more strawberries and broccoli. So teaching that, like, hey, let's cr- check off the boxes. And then you want to have some, a burger or pizza or beer, whatever. Cool. Let's fit it in because I promise you, you're not going to gain a bunch of weight or regress as long as it actually fits in. And we right, can teach right. you how to do that. But educating them on all this, it really just buys a lot of buy-in. So instead of me telling you to do something without telling you why it works, now I'm telling you exactly why we're doing it. And your buy-in to it is is 10 times greater. And so you're going to be way more loyal and trustworthy of the program and the process you're going through. And so adherence becomes way less of an issue for us simply because we educate people right away. We want to teach you everything it is about this because that always leads to them just believing in it way more um, instead of just following another random method from a guy on Instagram, right? And it's just, <laughs> right. you're just doing it because it worked for him. Like, I want to teach you why it's going to work for you. So with adherence, I think that's a big thing. The other thing is the connection. And this kind of goes back to why being an in-person trainer is so helpful because you learn how to talk to people and you also learn things along the way that, you know, it's the, the way I think of this is, is as an online coach, we, a lot of what we do is text, email, things like that, right? It's all written. Mm-hmm. Well, I think of my dad when I think of this, cause he's not, I mean, he just got rid of his flip phone like a couple months ago <laughs> and he uh, like, I'll send him a nice text. Like, I appreciate you. Love you and stuff. And he'll be like, okay. And, and in my <laughs> mind, I'm like, I know you mean, I love you too, son, but right. <laughs> you just, you know, he doesn't do text stuff like that. But the point is, is like, if I didn't know him, I'd be like, man, you are an asshole. Right. right. Just okay. So knowing that and putting exclamation points, right? I've actually studied, it's funny. I have a book on my bookshelf at home that is literally grammar vocabulary for enthusiastic writing. Like that's, it's not the exact title, but it's something along those lines. Right, and it's right. like, get people to like read and see that you're excited and you have empathy and you're encouraging and don't just write dry emails, you know, that. And then something I learned from Luca way back is, you know, praise, correct praise. So don't go into an email for a client, correcting them right away, go into it, congratulating them or praising them on something great they did, then give them some corrections. Cause that's realistically what they hired you for. And then finish right. with some more praises, right? That shit sandwich to make sure that mm-hmm. they leave that email doing the right thing and having a good spirit. But a lot of this is just how do you connect and communicate with people, which I, I learned, a lot of it. I learned from, you know, reading books like emotional intelligence, crucial conversations, go giver, stuff like that. But also from working with people in person and developing relationships and learning how to connect with people and communicate. And uh, I think truly the combination of the education and then just that connection piece is really what leads to adherence because there's not a ton of crazy tactics and stuff we do, right? We'll implement some uh, habit stacking or habit tracking similar to like atomic habits is a great book. You know, let's, let's focus on simple things that you can check off boxes because 
Uh, and a lot of entrepreneurs are like this. They have checklists and stuff. They like crossing things off and you get a dopamine response from that. You, you check off right. everything on your list. You feel good about yourself. You're like, hell yeah, I checked everything off. Like it right. feels good. Likes on Instagram, unfortunately do the same thing for you, but so does food and drugs and all these kind of things. But let's, let's actually get addicted with this dopamine response to good things, right? Let's yes. track positive habits for success. And then I just want you to check off these boxes, you know, and, and, I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. So that's where actually where I got it from is Jerry used to write a joke every day and read red X on the calendar. And it yes. turned into this like red X thing, right? Yeah. Mark a red X every time you do that. And those instill a positive reinforcement, right? It's the same reason why when our puppy actually goes to the door to go potty, we give him a treat after he goes outside because he didn't piss on the carpet. So we, right. you know, we reward him and he gets that little like feedback wagging his head. He's like, yes, I yeah. did. Good. I'm going to do that again. And so habit stacking, habit tracking, those things are great. But outside of that, you know, if there's anything I've learned from uh, studying some psychology stuff, motivational interviewing, those kind of things, it really just boils down to having emotional intelligence for people. It's, it's just empathy and it's just understanding humans and connecting with people on a deeper level and being willing to do so and be vulnerable. And that kind of takes out all the guesswork for adherence and it makes it a lot easier to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I've got one other big kind of topic I want to touch on, and it's this idea of personalized coaching because I know it's something that we're both passionate about. We both still do to this day. So what are your thoughts on like where we're at as an industry and how do we continue to better serve the clients and athletes we work with? Yeah, it's, you know, I think where we're at right now is I like to think we're at this point where we're, we're getting close to, I think in like the next year or two, we're going to see a big like tailspin back to how things were just a few years ago. Cause we, you know, we go through these cycles where it was personalized trainer, you know, stuff. And then it was like the Groupon bootcamp era presented yeah. itself, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I, I was a bootcamp trainer for a while. Like that's what we did. And I did that a lot. And then we changed it to team training and then it changed to small group and then it changed to semi-private, you know? And it's like, okay, what's happening here? We're getting more and more and more individualized. Right. And then right. all of a sudden the online movement came and it was like, extremely personalized. And then it went into like Facebook groups and then it went into apps and then it went into algorithm based stuff. Like, and it just started going back to this route of automation. And ultimately what that is from is from the tech world, always thinking about productivity and efficiency, which I respect and I understand, but we've worked with people who have helped us on the back end with web design and, and our systems and stuff. And uh, one team specifically I've worked with their really, really good at what they do, but they're an automation team. That's what they do. So there was times where we'd have meetings and I'd have to like shut down ideas that were amazing. Cause I'm like, I understand that's going to save me hours every week, but that takes away the personalization. So we can't right. do it. I was like, that turns us into an automation company. That's not where we are. We're a personal coaching company. So right. I think where we're at in the industry is like this boom of automation, right? And there's yeah. more and more apps and algorithms, all this stuff coming out and shit. I even have an app. I have an app that gives you training programs. It's, it's like, it's called the Taylor trainer. And uh, it's funny because when I was making it, I, I couldn't help myself, but make like 20 different programs. And they all are almost a year long because they're periodized. <laughs> yeah. and like, right. But I was like, well, I need a three day and a four day and a five day. And then I need conditioning in case somebody wants that. We got to put mobility in there. Well, what if somebody's really focused on this instead of this? And it was just like, okay, we're just writing all these programs because I'm trying to make it tailored to the person. It makes it better, you know? Right. And with nutrition, you just can't do that because everybody's so different. You know, you just, you really can't. But I think where the industry is at is, is a really big pressure and push of this automation and these algorithms and systems. And some of it is great. I use a lot of the tracking and data and stuff like that. And I love it. A lot of it, I think is, is just removing the person, person ability. And, and, you know, I don't care how cool the Peloton bike is and what the screen does for you. 
I mean, it's not a sustainable weight loss approach. It's a good, like, good exercise and there's nothing right. wrong with Peloton. And from a business perspective, they crushed it, especially right. during the pandemic. Right. But there's just something about personal coaching. And I think it's going to kind of take its tailspin and come back to that. Uh, and that's my hope. But I, I really think that's, that's the missing link. And there's going to be more and more and more people that are start, that will just realize like, oh, this actually doesn't really work for me because it's not adjustable to my lifestyle, to my needs. It doesn't teach me. So after I get done with this app that has an automated coach responding to me with macro adjustments, I gain all the weight back. Why is that? Well, it's because they don't understand you, your hormones, your metabolism, your personality, like your quirks, you know, and there's just something about that. And I think uh, last but not least, there's a respect factor, you know, there's, uh, and you, you could probably attest to this because you've been in the industry a long time. There's certain people that come on board to coach with you because they respect you. And so it doesn't matter if you give the exact same information as somebody else, or this person has better information, but if they have a respect level towards you because of what you've done, who you are, how you present yourself, they're going to follow that 10 times better. And they're going to be more loyal to the advice you're giving and believing of that advice. And placebo effect is very real. So if your effort and enthusiasm and just belief in something is there, it's going to work. So I think automation is big right now, but I think it's going to, I think it's going to flip around because we just can't get away from human connection. Yeah. Man, you're going to lose uh, like your guru card here because I've got a couple like words here that you've used a lot today. Autonomy, education, <laughs> connection. Like these are things that actually make people like self-reliant over time. So it's hard to be a guru when you're not just selling them the next thing every single week or month that you got out there. So I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard time to be in the industry too because the gurus like have a, I mean, if you can, figure out a fancy, sexy way to sell something that maybe it doesn't even work, but you can create a good click funnel advertisement to it and, you know, drive Facebook money towards like, yeah, it's just that, that time, you know, and it's, uh, it's tough. So a lot of people fall into that, but I think I'm a perfect example of somebody who's just head down for the last 11 years, just creating a lot of free content and just giving back and answering questions constantly. And, that pays off in the long run. It's a very, very long-term business strategy <laughs> that is uh, hard for a lot of people to buy into. But if you really love this stuff, then it shouldn't be an issue. You know, Absolutely. And I've just honestly followed people's lead like you, you and Eric Cressy and Luca and, and Tim and all these people that I met over the years and just seeing what you guys have done and how you've pioneered has allowed me to just do the same thing. It's just that unfortunately, or fortunately for me, I mean, I guess, but there's a lot of people in uh, the younger era or even in, in my generational age in the business space who don't even know some of these people like yeah. that pine, like we wouldn't be doing what we're doing and the stuff we're doing if it wasn't for these people. And it's, and it's funny when I get asked about my story on interviews, cause I'll name some people that Tim introduced me to. And a lot of times the person interviewing me just has no idea. And I'm like, God, wow. That's crazy. Now, you know, it is. It is. Wow. It is. It's crazy. Okay, man. So big question time. If you could alter the space time continuum and give young Cody McBroom one piece of advice, what would it be? Mm. I, it's, it's really hard to say, man. I think that my, my mind goes to patience and, uh, I've been pretty good. I've, I mean, even just what I was just saying, I've obviously been a very patient business owner and individual, and I'm also the most impatient person, which is a gift and a curse. Cause you take action quickly. Right. But I remember struggling with that a lot early in my career and just wanting everything to grow fast. And I wanted everything now. And even with my body, I remember training every day. I mean, we would train at like 10 PM back when we were at the old, old vigor, but like me, Luca, Hugh, Akeem, all these guys would all lift at, at late at night. And they're all 10, 10 years older than me. 
And I would get frustrated. I'm like, I, dude, I'm more dedicated. I track my, I do all these things. And why are you guys so much more jacked than me? <laughs> I just remember right. this specifically Luca going, how long have you been training? I was like, I'm three years now. And he's like, Oh, I'm on 13. You know, and this right. is almost a decade ago when he said that. Yeah. So I'm yeah. 23 now, probably. And he, I was just like, Oh, that makes sense. You know? And it was yeah. the same thing with, I remember, uh, being an independent contractor and paying taxes and being so pissed at how many taxes I had to pay. And then I had somebody like Luca and then another mentor of mine, Andreas, who owned big businesses and, and Andreas owns many businesses. And I was just a trainer and complaining about paying this, the smallest tax. And then they shared what their taxes were. And I was just like, Oh, you know, so <laughs> right. I think thinking bigger picture and just giving myself the advice of like, thinking very big picture and, and just practicing patience because yeah. it's a virtue. You got to stay true to your entire life. Absolutely. I forget exactly. I'm sure I said it more eloquently at some point in time, but it's that idea of like hustling and taking daily actions, right? Doing those things every day, but not focusing on the result until further down the line, mm. right? Like too often people are like, Oh, I'm going to crush it today. And then they expect to be where they want to be tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Versus like, Hey man, I'm going to crush it every day. Like you did for the next 10, 11 years and, and focusing on the fact that it may not happen for five or 10 years. Like mm -hmm. that's really hard, but I love that you have that approach, man. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I think Simon Sinek wrote the book. There's, he has a book, but it's a being process oriented instead of outcome oriented. Yeah. Right? Like being in the process and in that process leads to way better outcomes than being so focused on the end result that you can't be in the now. Grinding yes. away. I love it. I love it. Okay, my guy, last but not least, lightning round, four fairly short questions. Your answer can be as long or short as you like. All right. Number one, what's your career highlight so far as a coach or practitioner? This is honestly the hardest one for me uh, to answer because, I mean, part of me wants to say, honestly, and in, in like, not to sound starstruck, but like being on things like this with you, because, you know, being an 18 year old studying some of the stuff that you pioneered way back, you know, and then being able to be asked to be on your podcast, like that's a huge moment for somebody like me, just from a personal perspective, you know, and there's been a couple scenarios like that. I I've been able to have some conversations with uh, Christian Thibodeau, for example, mm -hmm. and have him on the podcast and hang out with him in person. And that was kind of cool for me because I was like, man, I remember like just reading all your responses in the T nation forum. Like yeah. while I was at my like work break, working at a pharmacy <laughs> in Rite Aid, like just looking at, <laughs> oh, what is Thib going to say to these people? Right. And uh, so like things like that have meant a lot to me. But I think another thing too, is it's really just having this facility way, way back. I remember starting the online business, getting seeing it build traction, I knew it was going to be successful. I had a lot of confidence in it. And I, I remember telling my wife at the time, she wasn't my wife yet, but I remember telling her I wanted to have like a fantasy factory, like Rob Deerdeck, the TV mm -hmm. show. And he, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to have this place and it's going to be, you know, and it was funny because we just got a bulldog and he had a bulldog and we didn't do that on purpose, but she's always wanted a bulldog. So I was like, yeah, we can get one. But, uh, but we have a gym, we have the office. I had my best friend, like I have this huge space over there, which I actually have my skateboard over there. And I actually literally do skateboarding because it's just a big empty warehouse right now, except my right. office in the corner. But being able to walk in this place is, man, it's cool. And, and, you know, my brother-in-law, some of my friends, my friend's fiance, like family, they all have keys to the gym and they have a free gym with everything they need. There's turf, sled, lap pull down, glue ham race, squat racks, platform. There's like everything that I've wanted. And right, I can just right. be like, guys train here for free. Cause I don't want you to go to planet fitness. Cause that's the only thing over here. So, <laughs> you know, here's the key, do your thing, yeah. you know, and that's a pretty cool feeling. That's, that's, that's been awesome. a big highlight to me to be able to give back to that. That's I love it. I love it, dude. Okay. 
number two went on uh, the Instagrams for this one. But talk to me about how winners think. Yeah, uh, I wrote that and I, I basically said winners think, I think it was like weeks, not days, months, not weeks, years, not months, you know, like just bigger, bigger, bigger. Right. Um, and I think realistically, the the big key is, is going back to that process oriented thing, like winners think about being process, they're process oriented, and they think about really big picture stuff. Yep. I mean, thinking about being a somebody who just quit his job, just started working out online as an online coach, working out of coffee shops. And I'm like, you're not going to go back to work and I'm going to have a fantasy factory. Like we're going to do like, cool, you know, right. even to the point where, and this is like, you got to have fun in life, but like, there's even like, we have all the cameras set up for like security, you know, but uh, he's going to laugh when he hears this, but my media guy is my best friend. He's the twitchiest person I've ever met. So he gets scared very easily. So I scare him all the time. <laughs> so it's on camera. So like, I'm like planning, I want to do like a montage of Travis getting scared in the warehouse, but like right. just fun shit like that, you know, but that's such big picture thinking that a lot of people laughed at me. And I even have friends that went to school with me. That was like, when I first said I was me trainer, they're like, come on, bro. Like I've only known you as the chubby guy in our group. And then right. that changed, you know? And it's like, Oh, I'm going to start a business. And it's like, okay, dude, you work at Rite Aid. And then I did. And then it was, you know what I mean? It right. just kind of kept going because I just thought so big. And I think that's ultimately how winners think. And it's not to like put myself up on a pedestal and say, I'm a winner, but the only thing, reason I have won in the things I've won with it's because I've just thought big picture and I've been extremely confident about getting there. And it wasn't about getting there as fast as I can. It was just about getting there. Yeah. And that's really what they think about, you know, it's just getting there. I don't care if it's tomorrow, next year, or in 10 years, I'm going to get there. I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to myself. That's how, that's all that matters, you know? But yeah, I think, I think it's the big picture thinking, man. I love it. I love it. Okay. Number three, dad got a little girl. Am I correct? Yep. Yeah. Okay. How did being a parent impact you as a trainer, coach, or business person? Yeah, a lot. One of the biggest things is, so when we first had Blakely, I, uh, I remember, I don't know why I did this, but I was like, it motivated me to train hard. I was like, I'm going to be like the fittest dad. Like I had a garage gym at the time. And I actually pulled up, speaking of thibs, I pulled up an old thib program and it was like, it's called Bill for bad. And it was it's a full body circuit, only compound lifts, basically 80 to hundred percent of one rep max every day, like literally every day. <laughs> right. It's the most intense program ever. And I literally remember feeling depressed after like three or four weeks because I was just so burnt out of being a new dad and trying to train so hard. So lesson number one for me was like recovery, you know, like learning that more is not better. Intensity yep. is not always better. Um, there's times and places for that, but really learning how to like manage my, my stress levels and stuff like that was huge. A big thing that applied to training and nutrition coaching for my clients and my business is the patience factor. You got to be really, really patient to be a parent. And that's been, it's been a constant like thing. And, and honestly, so my wife stays at home with my daughter and it's really cool for me to see her because she has so much more patience than me because she spends 10 times more hours doing it than I do. Right. But I remember just like kind of watching from afar and seeing what she would do and how long she would wait for something to like click with my daughter and to get her to do something and stuff like that. And it, it was a cool thing to see, but that taught me a ton of just patience, you know, patience with people. We're not in a hurry. Like, let's just, let's just work on it. Let's do it slowly. Let's be in the moment. And that's probably, probably the biggest third thing is, is being present. I've yeah. always struggled to be present because I'm just forward thinking. I want to do more and grind and I'm a very high energy person, but coming home and having a million work things on my mind and like pulling out my phone to write notes. Cause I got ideas and stuff. And my wife would be like, 
you're not here right now, you know, like realistically. And I hated hearing that, you know, I hated getting caught on my phone. I hated getting like, even if I had an amazing idea, the fact that I was having ideas about that, and then I wasn't having ideas about her. And so really learning to be present, which a lot of times honestly meant removing my phone Uh, ever since then. And learning that I actually keep my phone on do not disturb. Yeah. 24 seven. It just never goes off that. And my wife knows, call me twice. If it's an emergency, if I don't answer, then I'm, I'm in the moment of doing something like on a podcast or whatever. Right. But that being present factor has been just massive, man. That is it's the huge thing. It's yeah. huge, man. And they know that's yeah. the thing, right? Like they know if you're not, so that's cool, man. Okay. Yeah. Last but not least, number four, what's next for Cody McBroom? Not even 30 yet. Are you? No, I'm not. I'll be 30 next year. So Dude, that's uh, crazy. So what, yeah. are, what are you working on, man? What are you excited about? Yeah. So we, we just opened up, uh, we basically took over the unit next to us. So, uh, I was able to, what, what I'm in right now is the media room, but it was both of our offices, my media guy and mine. So I was able to get my own office, which has been amazing because we both have our own space to do what we need to do. And then we have uh, an extra 2,500 square feet. So now it's like, okay, what do we do with this? Do we do right. a yearly seminar? Do we do workshops? There's been, uh, I'm working with somebody on potentially starting a clothing company and partnering on that. So this could be, uh, obviously we have print, sh- we're getting print shirts already to, for our client stuff, but right. that might evolve into a second business. So I'm not a hundred percent sure, to be honest with you, there's, there's, we're kind of in a point right now where we hit a really big plateau in 2021, not because business wasn't good, but because I was trying to figure out things, you know, right. what do I want to do next? We're growing really fast. Is this what I want? Do I want to keep growing? Do I want to slow down? I was mentoring people on how to build their business, but which took me away from building my own. And so I ultimately start struck true to the, the principle of the one thing, which is an amazing book. And I actually removed all the mentoring. I removed basically every ebook that we sold, like everything was like, we just coach. That's what we do now. So right. I removed a lot. And, and now we're back in this place of growing our one thing and it's growing really fast, really well. We're expanding. So right now it's, it's continuing to grow the coaching staff and help more people in building the Taylor trainer app. And then I think in 2023 is when the next chapter for me will be starting a second company, which would be a clothing company with a partner I have to work with on that. And, uh, hopefully next year start doing seminars. I mean, we have a big space here. I have a a pretty cool vision of doing a coaching summit uh, where we don't talk business, not that business isn't important, but a lot of seminars and workshops, some of us now turn into business conferences. And I miss being able to go and see people talk about program design and recovery and conditioning and nutrition, you know, like I want to talk about coaching. So I've been touring around with that. I've talked to some people about speaking and stuff. It's just a matter of making it happen and uh, setting a date. And obviously with the way the world is right now, it's kind of like, yeah, it's weird, iffy, but um, <laughs> hopefully in 2023, start doing some more of that kind of stuff. I love it, man. Well, dude, love the energy, love all the good stuff you're doing. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all that stuff, all the yeah. things you're doing? Yeah. Thank you, man. Tailoredcoachingmethod.com is like the hub. That's where uh, we have hundreds of blogs and research reviews from our CSO. And the podcast is the Tailored Life podcast, which can be found there as well. Obviously coaching, all that kind of stuff's there too. And then Instagram is where I'm probably most active for my personal content, like everybody I feel like nowadays. And it's uh, at Cody McBroom. So yeah, between the website and my Instagram, I think you can find a lot of free stuff. Come learn from me first. Yeah. Love it, man. Well, Cody, thanks again for taking your time, dude. I know you got a lot going on, but It was great catching up and amazing content. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. It's been a blast and an honor to be on this podcast. 
my friend, that does it for this week's show with Cody. Really hope you enjoyed it. Like I said up top, he's just got a very grounded and principle-based approach to nutrition. I'm not all the craziness that you see out there on the internet. It's basic principles applied routinely using habits to see those long-term changes with your body, with your physique. And we know, look man, there's a fad diet for every day of the week and probably twice on Sunday. So I love highlighting nutrition people that I think are doing this at a really high level. And quite frankly, Cody's got the results to back it up. So very excited for what he's doing. Great to see young people out there hustling and putting in the work. So if you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor. If you haven't already, go right now today and subscribe to the show. Wherever you consume podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, wherever you like to listen to podcasts, go there, take two seconds, hit the subscribe button so that you know each and every week when a new episode drops. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.